This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, with my co-host, Alan Peterson, the Executive Director of the Compassionate Friends. Hi, Alan. How are you, Heidi? I'm great, and I'm so glad that you are co-hosting the show with me. As all of you out there know, uh, Open to Hope and the Compassionate Friends are partners together, and so Alan and I collaborate a lot, and we, we host a lot of TV and radio shows together. Yeah, I, I love doing this, Heidi, and the great part about it is that we are able to just create uh, just a huge volume of content for people who are experiencing grief and loss of any type uh, that doesn't just talk about the grief. And that's important. We, we always have to acknowledge and validate the pain of grief and loss. But we're also able to highlight what people have done with their grief and loss, how, uh, how their lives may have been transformed, how did they do it. And we provide a lot of tools. And our guest today uh, is one of those people. Um, I've had uh, a chance to read some of her, her things, and I'm just excited to hear what she has to say. Uh, she offers information, definitely, but she also offers inspiration, and those are two very important uh, tools that people need going through grief. Don't you agree? I absolutely agree with you, Alan, and if anyone wants to read more of what she's done, please go to Open to Hope because she is one of our writers. And like you said, she really will talk to us today about how to rebuild your life and make it an extraordinary life after loss. And our guest, is her name is Tambor Lane. She is a certified professional coach specializing in grief recovery and the founder of wellbeyondordinary.com. After navigating the impacts of various kinds of losses in her own life, Tambor made it her mission to help others. Her approach to grief focuses on how to grow through it, not just go through it. I love that, don't you, Alan? I do. That's good. So welcome to the show, Tambra. Welcome, Tambra. Thank you very much for having uh, Thank you to both of you for having me. So, Tambra, tell us, let's start out with you telling us how you got the idea of Well Beyond Ordinary and what is your backstory? Well Beyond Ordinary was actually rooted in how I came to understand my late husband and his approach to getting through the, the days, months, and years of cancer. And uh, as, as difficult as it got at, at some times, he was diagnosed when he was 34 uh, and passed when he was 37. Wow. And as difficult as the pathway was many times due to treatment, side effects, um, all of the various impacts that come with a chronic disease and when a couple is in uh, a situation of a caregiving, caregiver and, and patient, the one thing that he kept for, at the forefront for us as a couple was that even on the worst days, we had to work together to find something extraordinary in that day. And, of course, we were the ones responsible for defining what that was. So it could be as simple as, uh, you know, a short walk down the street holding hands and enjoying a sunset together or, you know, sitting on the back porch with our dog. It wasn't necessarily about climbing Mount Everest. Um, so the idea of living well beyond ordinary really came from how he decided to go through the experience of cancer. Wow. 
I love wow. that. I, I, I love that. Don't you, Alan? Yeah, I do. And you know uh, the cliche, but I mean, it really is true that uh, going through the grief in our lives, no matter what our grief is, how acute it is, uh, I, I believe that, that grief presents an opportunity for us to uh, do extraordinary things. I don't think that grief uh, leaves you with a life sentence of ordinary or less than ordinary. And you clearly emulate that in all that you write and speak. So how did you come to that after having lost? What, how did you get to that place where you said, my life can still be extraordinary? I think it's important to be transparent and honest. And I will say it took me almost six years which is why I ultimately went into coaching uh, in order to help people perhaps follow that pathway in less time. Um, it's not going to necessarily reduce the impact, you know, or the feelings of, of loss, but I felt like there was a, a, a more conscious way that people could move to that point of being ready to step forward in life while still honoring their, their loss. And for me, it was a moment of recognition where I, I was. I was having one of those pity parties for myself and feeling right. really sorry that my life had not turned out the way that I wanted, that I felt left without purpose and passion. And there was just a thought that came in at one moment, and that thought was, if Gary had been given one more day or one more month or one more year, he would not have been wasting it. He would have been doing extraordinary things with it. And who was I to waste that time? And so I'd better figure out a way to find out what I really cared about and then go out and do that. And that was the turning point for me. Well, and Tamara, I think you brought up a really good point when you said I needed to figure out how to step forward while still honoring my loss. Because as we've seen and as, and as I struggled with after my brother died, I felt like every t when I stepped forward, I wasn't honoring his memory. And I think I held on to the pain longer than I needed to because the I, I thought at the time that the pain represented our connection. And now I realize that it doesn't because he was all about life and joy and living. And that, when, I, when I'm living my best life, that's when I'm most connected to him. Yes, and I try to help with the clients I work with to understand the distinction between pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. So there is the pain of loss. And we are going to feel that. If we love someone, that is part of that expression of love when we lose them, is to feel that pain. I don't regret the pain that I felt over losing Gary. It was just a measure of how greatly I loved him. The suffering that I created for myself, however, um, by staying stuck in the grief, and this was unconscious. It wasn't something I was trying to do. It was just that I didn't really have the tools at that time to move in a different way. But the suffering is the piece that I'm really working with people through my writing and my website and my coaching to help people recognize um, that piece and that sometimes, you know, it, it is related to things like survivor grief uh, or survivor guilt um, and feeling guilty for still being there, feeling guilty the first time that you laugh, feeling guilty when you go out and enjoy yourself. And so those are some of the feelings that we really want to work through um, so that we do reduce that, that self-created suffering and instead can put the energy into taking steps forward that honor the memory of that person um, in whatever way that 
feels right for us. So, you know, for somebody that's committed to family, for instance, and our time and energy is going into suffering and we're not spending time with the family that we do have still surrounding us, then, you know, that's, that's really coming at a high cost. And it's probably something that the person that we've lost wouldn't really want for us. You know, I think also, you know, one thing I think it's when people are going through grief, one of the most important things they need is validation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all have a different time clock and, and a yardstick that we use. But you wrote something. You wrote a blog, uh, Tamara, called Finding Home. And I had to read this part. I, I, I rarely read things during these radio programs. But you wrote something so powerful it's, uh, that I'm actually going to read it because I want the audience to go to your website and read this entire blog called Finding Home because I think you so – adeptly describe what we are feeling. So it's, and this is you now quoting. In the early days of my grief, I was afraid to let go and truly feel the loss. I was afraid I would fall to pieces and that there would be no one there to pick them up and help me piece my life back together again. Little did I know my recovery would be much more like a butterfly breaking its cocoon instead of a Humpty Dumpty-esque experience of gluing bits and pieces back into a fractured version of an old self. My descent into fully embracing the reality that had become my life wasn't graceful or pretty. I felt like I was being sucked deeper into quicksand with no energy to save myself. When I fully embraced the darkness that had become my life, I was able to finally see in that moment the glimmer of light that would become my lighthouse guiding me safely home. It was only in the remembering and rediscovering of me, the writer, the dancer, the athlete, the entrepreneur, I could truly integrate my loss into my life in a meaningful way that allowed me to become the fullest and most complete version of myself. That is astoundingly powerful. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, uh, the world needs to read that, the grief and loss world. Don't you agree, Heidi? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I love it. I love the way that you describe what you went through, Tambra. Very, very powerful. Oh, thank you very much. And I know another thing that you talked about in your journey that helped you heal was writing and dancing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? One of the things that I asked myself when I was struggling so hard with my grief was what was it in childhood that gave me joy? Because I had no joy in my life. And I feel like there's gifts from our past that we can pull on. And two things that I really enjoyed were, were dancing, and I was a figure skater, so basically dancing on ice, and writing. So those were the things that I started with. They were things that I knew spoke to my soul. They were things that I knew how to do, so it wasn't learning something new, and it was reconnecting me to that part of myself before I'd gone through the losses in life uh, that I'd experienced. So I really invite people who may be struggling right now to ask themselves that question. What gave you joy as a child, and how might you bring that or call that into your life right now, just even so you can have a taste of it in your day or your week. Oh, I like that. So what gave you joy as a child and reconnecting to parts of yourself that were there before the loss? 
Yes, and I began with the writing. The writing I found extremely therapeutic. Uh, a lot of it was journaling to begin with. And then I began working on a memoir, which is still a work in progress, but getting closer. And, you, and, and, um, the, and the memoir is going to be called The Things I Will Become, Rebuilding yes. Your Life After Loss. Yes. I love that. Yes, so yeah. we're, we're getting, getting closer with that. You have another blog as well that you wrote called Celebrating in Silence. And um, talk a little bit about that because I, I agree with the premise that one of the things uh, when we're grieving, and, you know, when we say grieving, uh, you know, in, in the world of the loss of a child, that, that well may be your life, lifetime. But grieving is love and, and connecting to grief. But, but I find a very, uh, very important and very healing uh, to have times of silence, to where we can just be there and shut the rest of the world out. So talk a little bit about that, Tambra, if you would, why, why uh, celebrating in silence can be so important. There can be a lot of doing when we go through a loss, uh, whether that's a loss of a job, loss of finances, loss of health, uh, loss of a loved one. Um, so there, there's a lot of action sometimes involved with pieces that we need to take care of when a loss like that occurs and in trying to piece together our lives. And for many people, doing can feel like we're taking action, and we are, but there's also the being piece. And rediscovering ourselves, if we're overcome with the busyness of doing, rediscovering ourselves becomes more challenging so the concept of, of being still, which people cover in many different ways. We, we hear about stillness in meditation, and uh, there's stillness in, in the blog post. You'll read about stillness in music. Um, and, and I love that connection, the idea that if there was no space between the notes and music, all we would hear is noise. So when the noise of grief is overcoming and the noise of trying to figure out what's next is, you know, overwhelming. To take that moment and create that space between the notes for yourself so that you have a chance to resource your energy, to ground yourself, to get still, and to connect with the inner wisdom that we all have that really can be that piece that takes us into the next step. It was in the silence that I found that message uh, from Gary, uh, and I, and I kind of hear it as a message from Gary about the piece about, you know, how he would not have wasted the time um, that I'd been given. Uh, so those are those moments when we stop and listen to our hearts and our souls where I feel like we can get insight and also shift our focus into um, that part of living life, uh, you know, uh, that that uh, that that piece of life after going through loss. Well, I think it's it's amazing. You t and like Heidi alluded to earlier, you talk about things that you can do to help shift your energy. Mm -hmm. And I know in one of your articles, you talk. You have four ways of doing that. One is I am safe. Two is I am grateful. Three is I can make a difference. And four is if they can, so can I. And they're very simple things, but but they're very important in helping to shift your energy. Can you talk a little bit about how you came up with those? They really came about as 
because I've been asked the question <laughs> from uh, clients, uh, you know, the how-to. Uh, and often when we're going through something that we haven't experienced before, we've not received the tools to manage a situation like that before, we're looking for a process. If we don't have a process and we don't have steps, it's really hard to figure out how to move from where you are to where you want to be. Right. So whenever, whenever I get stuck um, or I'm procrastinating or I feel overwhelmed, I typically ask myself my, that, that question of, you know, what, what, what process is missing for me? And so those four steps came out of answering that question. If I were to navigate that process, or, or, or sorry, navigate that piece, what four steps would help me to create a process that would allow me that movement? Terrific. And, and so, Tamber, I'm wondering if there's somebody out there listening, which I know there is, to the show, and they are in a really bad place, and they don't know how they're going to go on, and they don't have any energy, and they don't know how they're going to survive the loss of a loved one. What kind of advice would you give them right now? I feel like one of the most important things is to find a space where you can connect with others who have gone through or are going through this experience um, and are coming at it from a, a conscious approach. So being mindful of the energy of any support group or online discussion board that you join, um, that's one of the things that I love about Open to Hope and the work that you do there um, and Compassionate Friends. You know, there, it's rooted in an energy that is compassionate, um, that is supportive, and that is positive. And that doesn't mean that we don't talk about feelings that people might label as negative. <laughs> um, you know, we all have difficult days when we're going through, through grieving. So it's not about not talking about things, but it's the way we talk about things um, so that we're not ending up down a rabbit hole. So connection is number one because it can, this, this process can feel extremely isolating. Uh, and so certainly visiting both of your websites is a great place to start. Um, and then asking, what's comfortable for me in connection? Some people like face-to-face. -face, um, you know, some people want to move into connecting with others outside of grief. So maybe there is an activity you enjoy. Like for me, it was dancing. You know, and I took up dancing, and I started taking uh, lessons, and I was meeting people in a nice social environment who had similar values and qualities to me and who were out to just have fun. Um, and so that was a, play, a way and a place that I created connection for myself. Um, and then monitoring your energy and your thoughts. And there's a lot on my website about this kind of information. Um, so if you find yourself with a lot of low energy, you know, for four or five days, kind of keeping a, an, what I call an energy journal and, and take a look at and keep some notes on what is it at what time of day that really drops your energy down? Because that helps you to start to identify some of the things that are draining your energy. And then also looking at what boosts your energy. Um, so what helps you? And, uh, and those are things you're going to want to include more of more often. Uh, so I definitely recommend, you know, people popping over to my website at wellbeyondordinary.com and they can check out uh, different uh, posts on uh, raising your energy level and, and keeping an energy journal and things like that just by plugging in the search bar. So those are the two primary things. Get connected and start being mindful about what's either – going to enhance your energy or drain your energy because from then you can start to create some strategic actions 
so that you have a little bit more energy to manage, you know, the one kind of rail in life, which is the grieving process you're going through, and the second rail in life, which is the other pieces of your life. Great. Well, thank you so much, Tambra, and thank you for helping us to rebuild our lives after loss. And for those of you that want to hear more, please go to wellbeyondordinary.com. Tambra has a wealth of information there. Uh, thanks so much, Tambra. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, and there is Tambra. one more. One, so sorry, there is one more resource uh, that is on my website um, under products, and there's actually a very low price uh, daily ohm course that I created called "Transforming Your uh, Light, Your uh, Grief Through Transformation." So that might be helpful for people too, especially people who have some financial challenges. Very good. That's wonderful. Um, Thank you so much for the information, Tambra. And if you've lost hope, please lean on mine, Tambra's, and Alan's until you find your own. Thank you. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.